Welcome back, Salty SEC fans. It is episode four, and it's week three in the SEC conference. Thank you for joining me. Let's have a great episode. Here we go. Thank you for plugging in to episode four of the Salty SEC podcast. Welcome back. Thanks for coming back to us. I really appreciate everyone listening. We had some great uh, results from last week's episode, episode three. The analytics looked really good, um, and it was just really pleasing to see all the people plugging in and giving this uh, podcast an opportunity. So I greatly appreciate it, and uh, we we greatly appreciate the continued support. Uh, before we dive into week three games, we are going to kind of look back at week two and just kind of see where we were close, see where we weren't close, you know, see, see how things panned out for us at the Salty SEC podcast. So starting with Alabama versus Mex- New Mexico State, we originally predicted 63 to 3. We're pretty close. The final was 62 to 10. Um, no real issues there, I don't suspect. Uh, I do question Alabama's offensive line play still, uh, but it does appear that their kicking woes have subsided as their true freshman place kicker hit hit a couple of really long field goals from about 48 yards out that I'm pretty certain would have probably been good from 60. So the kid's got a leg. Uh, Now let's see if he can just avoid hitting the uprights. Moving on, LSU and Texas. In probably the best game of the week last week, LSU took down Texas 45-38 in a really... Awesome game. It was epic back and forth. Not a lot of defense, but man, both offenses were just outstanding. Joe Burrow performed really well in that game, hitting on a lot of tough passes in a high-pressure environment with a large crowd, a very hostile environment. So he's certainly starting to win me over. You know, if you recall an episode, I think it was episode one or two, I identified Joe Burrow is one of the quarterbacks I was still kind of on the fence uh, about. So he's definitely making strides to proving me wrong, and I'm happy to just admit that. I'm, you know, not always right. Getting to the score, we here at uh, the Salty SEC Podcast predicted a 30-27, to 27, uh, an LSU win. So we were correct in the victory there, but the final score was 45-38. to 38. So the score we were a little off on. Texas A&M took on Clemson, and it was not a really good turnout for Texas A&M. Kellen Mond, who had done so well last year against this Clemson squad, throwing for over 400 yards, really looked lost a lot in this past week's game. Clemson took down Texas A&M 24-10, and while Clemson didn't score as many points as we predicted, we originally predicted a score of 35-28 to in favor of Clemson. Uh, it really never felt close. Uh, that that score really just it doesn't represent how, how dominant Clemson played in that game. So moving forward, Clemson is still going to be a tough team to beat by anybody, uh, especially in the uh, ACC conference um, in which Clemson plays. 
But Texas A&M does need to quickly rebound from this loss. They just need to brush themselves off and kind of get refocused. Kellen Mond, he really needs to find that killer instinct again because, like I said, at times in that game, he did appear to be really rattled and phased by the environment. Auburn hosted Tulane, and we had predicted a slight hangover for Auburn after such a high emotional game against Oregon, and there was a little bit of that. We predicted a score of 35-17 to in favor of Auburn. The final was 24-16, to uh, so we got the point spread correct, just not the right score. Uh, so the score, the spread was 18 points. We got it correct, um, even though we didn't get the score correct. In reference to this game, Auburn is struggling on offense. Uh, their quarterback, true freshman uh, Bo Nix, he's made a couple of good passes here and there, but I'm, I'm not seeing consistency. And what really surprises me is how they're struggling to run the ball. Now, I know that their running back, Whitlow, I think he's rushed at just over 200 yards this season, which is pretty good compared to some of the other teams in the league. But I was surprised at how much they struggled to run the ball against Tulane. Not to take anything away from Tulane, but I was really surprised at their struggles. You know, a final score of 24-6, to while it's a victory and an 18-point victory, I believe they even covered the spread that Vegas set. It still was kind of surprising. Now, they did a great job defensively of keeping Tulane's quarterback in check. He came in with a lot of hype and a lot of a lot of people thinking that he was going to do well. Uh, maybe not enough to win and upset Auburn, but you know, I was thinking he would put up a couple of touchdowns. Obviously, Auburn's defense did hold them to just six points. So kudos to the defense. The uh, Auburn offense does have to work on itself. It has to find that identity because right now they seem to just be stumbling forward, if that makes sense. They're they're doing enough offensively to to score here and there while their defense is the one that's really keeping them in these games. Now, Grant, I know we're only two, uh, two weeks into the season, entering into week three, but I need to see more out of Auburn's offense to have confidence that they're going to have a, a, a successful year. So we'll see how that goes. Mississippi State took on Southern Miss. For the most part, it was a, a pretty dominant game by Mississippi State, I believe, uh, from what I got to see of it. They kind of controlled it. A little bit of play here and there uh, that allowed Southern Miss to kind of make it interesting at times. But overall, um, it was really just an, uh, a dominant performance by Mississippi State. Um, they do take the lead in the series. They're now 15-14 and 14 all-time versus Southern Miss. They beat the Southern Miss Eagles 38-15. to 15. We at the Salty SEC Podcast predicted a 35-20 to 20 victory for Mississippi State. So not too far off of what we predicted, but 38-15, uh, to 15, Mississippi State looking pretty good in that, in that victory. Next, we have the battle of the SEC West, the two lowest teams in the division, if you ask me today. It was between Ole Miss and Arkansas. It was a pretty competitive game for the most part. Ole Miss does get the win, 31-17 over Arkansas. We originally predicted 20-17 in favor of Ole Miss. So we got Arkansas's points correct, but did not give Ole Miss's offense enough credit. I think both teams are headed in the right direction. Obviously, Arkansas gets the loss here, but I think Coach Morris is building things in the right way. They are going to go with their 
transfer quarterback from Texas A&M, Nick Starkle, which I think is a, a good decision. He performed really well uh, in that game coming in uh, and relieving the starter, who was a transfer from SMU. And I think because of Coach Morse's experience and background coming from SMU, he kind of probably went with that original quarterback for a little bit longer than maybe he should have. Nick Starkle was 17 of 24, threw for a little over 200 yards and connected on a touchdown pass. I think he's going to bring a little bit more experience and a little bit more uh, consistency to that passing attack for Arkansas. So look for them to improve. On the other side of the ball, Ole Miss, they've got the young quarterback and Coral. Um, I think I'm pronouncing that last name correct. He's, he's looking good, obviously. Gets a, an SEC victory uh, as a young starter. So I think that's going to help build his confidence. And I look for both of these teams to improve as we go forward in the season. I don't obviously I don't think either one's going to be competing for any type of SEC West crown this season, but I think they are going to be uh, making some waves in some games and I think you'll see an improvement for both teams as we move forward. Moving over to the Eastern Division of the SEC, Georgia took on Murray State. Um, it was interesting at first. Uh, I think Georgia, maybe because of the kickoff time, maybe just uh, early season bugs, who knows. They they kind of let Murray State kind of make it interesting early on. I believe it was 7-7 uh, as early as uh, the first or even second quarter, I believe. But then Georgia kind of got the, the dogs woke up and got things moving forward. The final score was 63-17, to kind of a surprising score. They let uh, Murray State score 17 on them. But, uh, you know, it's still a good victory. We predicted a 56-3 win for Georgia. Yeah, we're, we were close, 63-17, 56-3, you, know, you know, don't judge us too harshly. Uh, but that's, that's a good confidence builder for Georgia um, as they move forward. From Jake Fromm, the QB for Georgia, still not really impressing me too much. So we'll just see how that goes. Obviously, if the running attack's working and you're getting a lot of stuff done on the ground and getting a lot of production doing the ground game, then you're going to stick with that. Yeah, I think it was just a, a good win. Uh, Georgia moves to 2-0 with that and not too shabby. Next is Florida, who took on UT Martin. They ended up getting the win 45 to nothing, getting a shutout. That's always a plus, a really good confidence builder for Florida's defense, who has a lot of talent. We had predicted 41 to 6, so pretty close in our prediction, but really good to see Florida get that shutout. I think that's really big. And also with their offense putting up 45 points, I think with some of the struggles, some of the identity issues that uh, their QB has, Felipe Franks kind of struggling with where he stands with his own fan base at times. I think this was a good game to go out, put up some points, kind of get the fans back on the side of the team, and just really show out. So a great game, a great win for Florida and their program as they head into week three of the season. Missouri took on West Virginia, and this is one that we kind of pegged a little off, I guess. We were still pretty close. We had predicted a score of 35-21 to 21 in favor of the Tigers out of Missouri uh, over West Virginia. But the final score was 38-7. to 7. So we were pretty close in our prediction for Missouri's points, but gave West Virginia a little bit too much credit on offense, or maybe just didn't give enough credit to Missouri's defense. 
Uh, obviously, in the past few seasons, Missouri's defense has been suspect, so, you know, you can't blame us too much for that. Uh, I didn't really get to watch too much of this game, uh, but I believe that Kelly Bryant's doing really well. He's got some things headed in the right direction and obviously putting up some, some good points over a, a decent uh, Big 12 opponent. You can't beat that. So 38-7 victory for Missouri as they head in week three. Not too shabby. And before I move on to South Carolina versus Charleston Southern, I do want to note I recognize I've said not too shabby probably one too many times. You'll have to forgive me for that. Anyway, we're just trying to have fun here. Just trying to have fun. So South Carolina takes on Charleston Southern. This was the first meeting between these two programs, which kind of surprised me, but we had predicted a 42-3 to score, and it, it ended up being 72-10. to South Carolina just exploded all over Charleston Southern and that poor defense that they have there. Obviously, if you're a Gamecock, Gamescock, Gamecocks fan, excuse me, you're, you're really excited about that offensive production. It's really good, but let's not get too excited. It is an FCS opponent who doesn't really compete too well. You know, they've, they've lost their last five games against Power 5 teams by an average score of 53-6. to six. So the 72 is obviously a lot more production than, than other P5 teams have done against Charleston Southern. But, you know, I think the big thing that South Carolina fans are excited about is that freshman quarterback, uh, Ryan Helinski, who came in and played. He did really well, was phenomenal with his passing, high percentage of uh, completed passes. So you got to give the kid credit. I think their next opponent's going to offer a little bit more challenge, though, than what Charleston Southern did. But overall, South Carolina comes out of Week 2 with a 1-1 one one record with a 72-10 victory. Next, we move on to Tennessee versus BYU. This was the first meeting between these two programs. We at the Salty Podcast, Salty SEC Podcast, predicted 27-14 victory for Tennessee. And it was looking pretty good until... Something happened to Tennessee. I think it's become a mental thing for the volunteer program at this point. I think they've kind of forgotten how to be dominant. Let's not forget, this is actually a storied football program in the, you know, one of the more storied programs in the nation, not just within the SEC. So uh, it's interesting to see how this program is kind of declining and how they're struggling to, to get back to what they once had, you know, during the 90s. So BYU makes a comeback late in that game, goes into overtime. They win it in overtime and send the Volunteers to 0-2 for the first time in a couple of decades. Uh, the final score was 29-26 to in favor of the Cougars from BYU, which is kind of unfortunate because living in Salt Lake City with Provo, the home city for BYU, being just 45 minutes south of here, I have to hear about it from the BYU fans here who know I'm an SEC fan. You know, there's nothing worse than a bunch of pale, angry white Mormons, you know, getting all up in your face, telling you that the SEC sucks. So... I blame Tennessee fans, or not Tennessee fans, I blame, I blame the Tennessee program for making that happen. So, boo on you, volunteers, for making me be in these uncomfortable situations with these very, you know, angry, lily-white Mormons. It's very uncomfortable. 
I mean, they're harmless, you know. Most of the time, they just want to shovel the snow off your sidewalk and, you know, tell you some stories. But they can get all uppity. And anyway, so unfortunately, BYU does defeat the SEC team, Tennessee. Um, and Tennessee is now 0-2 with a 29-26 loss. We next go to Kentucky versus Eastern Michigan. Kentucky, we had predicted, would win 31-17. The actual final score was 38-17. So the Salty SEC podcast got Eastern Michigan score correct and was only off by 7 points for Kentucky. So not too shabby. Pretty pleased with that. Unfortunately, this victory for Kentucky came at a cost. Their junior starting quarterback, Terry Wilson, is out for the season. He got injured during this game, and it's very unfortunate. The backup came in and performed well, but Terry Wilson was the leader of that team, and unfortunately, it's gonna. I th- I think we're gonna see some some fallout from this. Um, you know, they'd already lost Benny Snell to the NFL draft this past season, and he was a leader of this program. And between him and Terry Wilson, they they'd led Kentucky to a ten plus win season. Uh, for the first time in so long. And I think this is really going to hit home. If Kentucky's players can come together and create and find a new identity, they could still persevere and carry on and be competitive in the East and make it to a bowl game and be competitive and represent the SEC very well in the bowl game. But we'll have to see. And they do have a challenging game coming up in week three, and we'll get into that here shortly. But they do come out of week two with a victory, and they're 2-0 and it, with a victory over Eastern Michigan. 38-17 is the final. And last but not least is Vanderbilt. So Vanderbilt, as I suspected, would struggle this season, and they, they have. Um, they're struggling offensively. We had predicted Purdue would beat Vanderbilt. And, and I hate to pick against the SEC. So keep in mind as we move forward, as you listen to this podcast, understand I am trying to be an SEC fan. Fan first of the SEC, a homer, if you will. Now, I do have a, a, a team within the league that I fully support, have supported since the day of my birth. I was never given a choice. However, as doing... Part of doing this podcast, I am trying to become a better college football fan and a better fan of the conference. And I'm trying to identify and connect with these teams within this league, not necessarily become a fan of those teams. I'm still going to have bitterness towards my rivals, but I want to be able to recognize their good qualities, what they're good at. And I can I have no shame in giving kudos to those to where they do things well. And unfortunately, Vanderbilt is not doing anything well right now. You know, they used to at least be known for tough defenses, and they'd play teams within the SEC tough. They'd play them close. You know, you you knew you were going to win, but it was always kind of going to be a little bit of a dogfight. Well, Purdue kind of whipped them around. Um, The final score is 42-24, to and we weren't even close really on our prediction. Like I said, we'd predicted 27-17, to 17, and unfortunately Vanderbilt just really couldn't get anything close, and it wasn't really competitive. So unfortunately, Vanderbilt does fall to Purdue in Week 2, sending the Commodores to 0 2 
case you're keeping score, and if we count week zero, where we accurately predicted Florida to beat Miami, not just beat Miami, but we even pegged the score. We predicted 24 to 20 as the final Florida over Miami, and what was it? 24 to 20. So yeah, I'm still ecstatic about that. But if you include week zero, so far, the SEC podcast, the Salty SEC podcast, is 21 and 5 in our predictions, just based off of winners, which I know, obviously, first part of the season is some easy games, some FCS opponents, so, you know, not too many upsets to worry about, not too many tough games to predict, but still, pretty good start to the season at 21 and 5. And also, just to note, we were 12-1 and one in Week 2, with only Tennessee losing to BYU being the game we did not predict correctly. So we predicted the loss for Texas A&M, got that right. We predicted the loss for Vanderbilt, got that correct. But unfortunately, we did not predict the loss for Tennessee. So anyway, so now we're going to move on to Week 3 in the SEC. But before we get to that, we do want to give a shout out to our friends at Yellowhammer Creative, making fine quality products by hand since 2009 in Birmingham, Alabama. If you have any needs for screen printing, please give them a shout. Uh, they do excellent work. Like I said in the past, I have a couple of their hand printed posters framed and in my house right now. So give them a, a call, Yellowhammer Creative in Birmingham since 2009. Starting with the Aggies of Texas A&M, they're going to be hosting Lamar. This is only the second meeting between the two programs, with the Aggies winning 73-3 in the first meeting back in 2014. Lamar averages losing 63-10 in the last five matchups against FBS opponents. I predict, well rather I should say the Salty SEC podcast predicts, Texas A&M to win this game 54-13. They're going to bounce back from that loss to Clemson. Going to take out a little aggression on Lamar. Lamar will probably pick up some points in garbage time. But the Aggies will take home a victory in Week 3, 54-13. LSU takes on Northwestern State, which I had to Google to find on a map. LSU has won 30 consecutive games against in-state opponents. And they have last played Northwestern State back in 2011, with LSU winning 31-3. Joe Burrow right now is completing 81% of his passes, which is very impressive. And he's thrown for 749 yards, 9 touchdowns to only 1 interception, which is outstanding. Northwestern State comes in a huge underdog in this game, and I think LSU's defense will come in with a chip on their shoulder after surrendering so many yards and points to Texas. I predict LSU to win 56-6 with LSU continuing the offensive fireworks. Missouri welcomes Southeastern Missouri State. Southeastern Missouri State was 9-4 last year, and they lost in the second round of the FCS playoffs. Kelly Bryant right now for Missouri is throwing for 573 yards and five touchdowns and one interception, while their running back, Roundtree, has rushed for 145 yards and tossed in a couple of scores as well. This game shouldn't be really too close, but I think Southeastern Missouri State will put up some points 
nothing too crazy. Uh, obviously, Missouri's defense has some question marks. I know they held West Virginia last week to just seven points, but I think that's more a little bit more of a reflection on the Mountaineers than it is on Missouri Tigers' defense right now. Not to say that Missouri's defense is not improving, but I think Southeastern Missouri State is going to put up some points. It won't be really interesting. Kelly Bryant's going to continue to show off, and I think we'll have a victory for Missouri of 48-21 to over Southeastern Missouri State. Next up is one of the premier games in week three. We've got Florida headed to Lexington, Kentucky. Obviously, Kentucky, if you haven't heard, they defeated Florida last year, breaking a long streak of losses to Florida in this series. I think it was 30-plus years. I don't know. It might have gone back to the Eisenhower administration. Who knows? But Kentucky defeated Florida last season, and Kentucky fans went crazy, as they should have, you know, and you can't blame them. If you're a Florida fan, you have to go, you know what, I would too. If I was losing like for 30 years to a team, I would go nuts too if we finally defeated them. So anyway, Florida heads to Lexington this season. Florida has won 15 straight times in Lexington, which is part of that streak, and last time they were in Lexington, they came from 10 points down late in the game uh, to defeat Kentucky. So Kentucky has kind of, in recent years, kind of improved, obviously, as a program. And you're going to see a really competitive game. I think right now the spread is at about eight points in favor of Florida. I think part of that is in response to Kentucky losing their starter, starting quarterback Terry Wilson. That's huge. But also, you got to keep in mind, Florida is, has, is starting to maybe find their identity on offense. Maybe Felipe Frank, someone sat down and said, hey, man, let's calm, calm down. Let's pull back on the crazy. You know, just go out there and play football. Don't worry about the fans, especially your own. Don't try to piss them off. So hopefully that's helped. And I think we'll see an interesting competitive game. And it, it should be one of the better games this weekend. So starting with Kentucky's new quarterback. So they have Sawyer Smith come in and replace the injured Terry, Terry Wilson, who's out for the season. He came up, he came in into the Eastern Michigan game, Michigan game sorry, excuse me, uh, in relief of Terry Wilson, and he was 5 of 9 for 76 yards and a couple of touchdowns. Smith is a transfer from Troy, where he started the last seven games of the season last year. Uh, tossing the pigskin for about 1,000 669 yards. He had 14 touchdowns to six interceptions. So he's got a, a okay touchdown to interception ratio there, uh, and he also was in a program that was has been is known for prolific passing. Troy University, while not in a major conference, playing out of the Sun Belt, I believe they they do have some some high powered offense. There's a lot of passing, so he's familiar with throwing the ball and airing it out. And I actually believe. They're going to do that. However, you still got Florida's defense over there, and you've got some really excellent players on their side. I think it's going to be a little bit of a chess match uh, between both head coaches, and it should be really interesting. Uh, Florida receiver Kadarius Toney will miss the game against Kentucky because he injured his left shoulder. And cornerback C.J. Henderson is doubtful with the sprained left ankle. Uh, according to coach Dan Mullen, he won't play Henderson at cornerback unless he's 100% healthy. 
So we'll see how that goes. And both are huge losses. Uh, you're taking away uh, Kadarius Tony, while not the premier wide receiver. He is a speedy guy, and he would be a good target for Felipe Franks to throw it to. So that's a loss on offense. And obviously, C.J. Henderson on that Florida Gator defense, losing a cornerback, especially when you've got a quarterback coming in against you that's going to be throwing the ball and airing it out, that's huge. So I think... That's going to kind of tilt the edge a little bit to Kentucky. Now, I'm not saying all of a sudden Kentucky's just going to be, you know, throwing at 500 yards for the game or whatever. But I think that kind of starts to gear things a little bit into Kentucky's favor. Maybe not 100% over their way, but you got to see, you know, that's what we're here doing. We're just seeing what the matchups are, balancing everything out. Through two games, and this is a surprising fact, through two games, the Wildcats are actually averaging more points on offense than Florida. They're averaging 38 points per, uh, per game compared to Florida's 34.5. However, Florida's defense through two games is limiting opponents to nearly 120 yards fewer than Kentucky's defense. So there's where that Florida defense is showing its might compared to Kentucky's. I think this is going to be a great game, a great battle, um, and I've got Florida winning in a very tough game 24 to 14. So I've got them covering the spread, but I think it's going to be fun and I think it's going to be close. And, and I think maybe Florida pushes ahead just slightly late, like expect it to be in the fourth quarter. I don't expect either team to really get too far ahead. I think it's going to go back and forth and both fan bases are going to be sweating all the way through it. Sorry, but yes, Florida will, should come out with the victory 24 to 14. That's our prediction. Next, we head to Florida's rival in Georgia, who hosts Arkansas State. Georgia is 2-0 versus the Red Wolves and 19-0 versus Sunbelt teams. I will say this, keep an eye out on the quarterback for Arkansas State, Logan Bonner. He's thrown for 608 yards so far this season with six touchdowns, and his favorite target has been Omar Bayless. So kind of keep an eye if on those two. If they start to connect early in this game, could be difficult. I don't, I'm not predicting an upset. I think Georgia does win this one and win it convincingly. But just keep an eye out on that matchup. If Bonner is able to get to, to connected with Bayless and they're able to sync up early in this game, Georgia might have another situation where it's a sluggish start. However, we at the Salty SEC Podcast do predict Georgia defeating Arkansas State 56-14 to improve to 3-0. Next, we're heading to Starkville, where the Mississippi State Bulldogs are hosting Kansas State. These two teams tangled last season, so it's, it's good to see Kansas State coming to the SEC country, where they're going to be greeted by about, oh, 50,000 cowbells, and we all know how that is. So, Mississippi State is 3-0 all-time versus Kansas State. But I will say watch out for the running back from Kansas State, uh, James Gilbert. He's averaging 8.4 yards per carry, and he's got three touchdowns on the season. However, Mississippi State does have a great running back themselves in Kylan Hill, who has 320 yards rushing this season, two TDs, all on 41 carries. It should be a great game between these two programs. I'm actually kind of predicting a little bit of higher score. I think uh, both teams will have success running the ball, and it will be close. But I've got Mississippi State winning 34-28, to 
in week three. Heading up to Tennessee. Tennessee volunteers, all right, <laughs> this is it's week three. You've got Chattanooga. Chattanooga. This is an FCS opponent, guys. Ch uh, Tennessee and Chattanooga have tangled before with uh, Tennessee winning the series for the most part. They're 38-2-2 all-time versus the Mocs out of Chattanooga. Uh, Chattanooga's average score versus Power 5 teams uh, is about 45-8. to So you're thinking, okay, Tennessee, an SEC program, should kind of hit that mark. I'm actually not predicting that. Now, I'm not calling an upset. Chattanooga should lose this game. You hear that, volunteers? Chattanooga should lose, okay? You guys got to get it turned around. Uh, I know you got some problems there. You got some you probably inner turmoil, turmoil, some strife. You got to get it turned around, guys. Come on, you're representing the SEC. The Salty SEC podcast is predicting Tennessee to win 28-3. to so Tennessee, I don't see them really exploding offensively, and they might. And this might be like South Carolina last week, uh, 72 points over an FCS opponent. And that's how it should be. However, I have not seen enough of Tennessee's offense to determine that that's going to be the case here. So I'm predicting Tennessee 28, Chattanooga 3. All right, so let's head down to Oxford, where Ole Miss will take on southeastern Louisiana. All right, so this is the second meeting between these two programs with Ole Miss winning the first one 52-6, which is how it should be. Southeastern Louisiana hasn't played since August 29th due to their second game of the season being canceled. So I suspect that even though they've had more time to prepare for Ole Miss, I actually expect to see a little bit more rust on the team. Uh, Elijah Moore, uh, the wide receiver for Ole Miss, he's got 11 receptions on the year for 190 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, we should see him, he, him get targeted by the, the young quarterback for Ole Miss. Uh, the Salty SEC podcast is predicting Ole Miss to walk out of this game with a 38-7 victory, uh, getting them on track and getting them to 2-1 to and one on the season. Yet another home game for the SEC Conference as Arkansas hosts Colorado State this weekend. The Hogs are 3-1 versus Colorado State, but they blew a lead late in their last meeting, which gave Colorado State the victory. Texas A&M transfer Nick Starkle has gotten the nod to start for Arkansas, and in the last appearance he was 17 of 24 for 200 yards and one touchdown. So I think that gives Arkansas a new dynamic on their offense, uh, a more seasoned uh, quarterback, someone who's got a little bit more consistency with his, his game than Arkansas's prior starting QB. But I will say watch out for the quarterback for Colorado State. Colin Hill is, uh, has thrown for 738 yards, seven touchdowns, and two interceptions so far this season. So look for him. Uh, keep an eye out for him. If Colorado State's quarterback does get hot early, uh, it could be a disaster for Arkansas. This is the only game in the SEC this week I'm predicting uh, a loss for the SEC team. I think Colorado State actually comes out with a win in an upset over Arkansas of 31-24. to I think Arkansas is favored right now by eight points but I actually have a feeling that Colorado, Colorado State is going to 
upset Arkansas on their own turf this weekend. It's not what I'd like. I want to see all the SEC teams do well. I figure if the SEC does well collectively, then it just makes the whole the whole conference better and makes those individual teams better as well. But I, I do fear that Colorado State's going to be catching Arkansas, uh, coming off a tough loss to Ole Miss, and even though they've got a, a better quarterback, I suspect, in Nick Starkle starting for the Hogs, I think Colorado State with uh, Colin Hill has got a better dynamic there with the QB position, and I think Colorado State's going to come out, put some points up early, and get out ahead of Arkansas, and Arkansas just right now at this point, that program is not really built to come back from, from 10 points down. I still think Arkansas is trending in the right direction, as I stated earlier in this episode. Unfortunately, I see this as a defeat uh, to Colorado State. So 31-24 in favor of Colorado State over Arkansas. We just have two more teams left in the SEC. Both reside in the state of Alabama. We'll start with Auburn hosting Kent State. This is the first meeting between the two programs. Auburn is 7-0 versus current MAC conference teams. And Auburn has won 25 regular season games versus group of five teams. Kent State is also 0-14 versus the SEC with an average loss of around 37 points. Obviously, with Auburn being an SEC team, should be a pretty, pretty easy game for them. I think Auburn's offense will start to get it going in this game. I think they're going to start to figure out their identity a little bit against Kent State. I don't think they'll have as much trouble with Kent State as they did with Tulane. Auburn fans should be able to breathe a little bit of a sigh of relief. I think Auburn will score early and get out ahead. I don't think Kent State will really be in it at any point. I do think they score some points, even though Auburn's defense is is pretty stout this year. Auburn's defense has been carrying the load. I think Kent State actually gets in maybe a touchdown or a couple of field goals early and then maybe score uh, another touchdown or a couple of field goals late in garbage time for Auburn's defense. I predict a final score of 41-16 to 16 in favor of the Tigers of Auburn over Kent State. Bo Nix, he's at around 384 yards passing, three touchdowns, two interceptions. Still not seeing a lot of consistency from him. There's some promise, but definitely needs to improve. Auburn's running back, Whitlow, is at around 206 yards on the season on 47 carries. I think he'll get some decent numbers in this game. He should definitely eclipse 100 yards on the ground. Knicks will probably hit around... I think this will probably be one of his better games um, this season. He should get to 225, 250 yards passing, a couple of touchdowns. He may still throw an interception, possibly. Just still, you know, youth uh, and inexperience. But I think it will be one of his better games this season just because of the, the opponent. So, yeah, Auburn, 41-16 uh, to 16 over the Kent State Flashes. Golden Flashes. Whatever that is. Lightning. Yeah. And finally, last but not least, we have another premier matchup featuring two SEC teams. You've got Alabama headed to Columbia face South Carolina. Alabama is 15-0 when opening SEC play on the road, 
and Bama is 10 and 4 all time versus the South Carolina Gamecocks. Obviously, we all remember the last time Alabama was in South Carolina to take on the Gamecocks. Alabama lost 35 to 21 when they were the number 1 ranked team in the country at the time. But they outgained South Carolina in that game 351 yards to 311 yards. Lots changed in the 10 years or so since that matchup. Alabama is now averaging 52 points per game on 557.5 yards compared to South Carolina's 46 points per game on 522.5 yards. So pretty close in yardage, about 30 yards in Alabama's favor, but that's equating to eight points difference. Or six points difference, I'm sorry. My math's not so good. It's late at night, guys. you got to forgive me. So almost a, a pretty much a touchdown difference just off a 30 yards difference. So Alabama's getting more uh, production with that yardage. They're getting more points from the yards that they put up. Alabama leads through the air, averaging 326 yards per game, while the Gamecocks are actually out gaining Alabama on the ground so far this season with 310.5 yards per game. So you've got the air attack versus the ground and pound attack. Here's where the difference is between these two teams. Alabama's defense allows 142 fewer yards compared to South Carolina's defense. So that's where the difference is going to be. Now, obviously South Carolina is doing more on the ground. Are they going to be able to do that against Alabama's defense? Uh, history and just knowing the, the Alabama team, I'm going to say no. That defensive front, while they've replaced some, some faces up front, and I know they've got a young linebacking core, they also have some really experienced players on the outside linebackers with uh, Anthony Jennings being one of them. And then also Terrell Lewis, who most of his career has been injury prone, but he is still projected to be an NFL player in the future. So I think South Carolina is going to struggle to run the ball against Alabama's defense. So that means they've got a pass. They've got freshman Ryan Holinsky starting at quarterback. Uh, he's 24 of 30 for 282 yards, two touchdowns and one interception this season. Uh, he's going to be targeting senior wideout Brian Edwards, who's averaging 19.8 yards per snag. So he's going to have to find that target. He's going to have to find Mr. Edwards early and often to kind of throw off Alabama's defense, kind of get them back, it, because they're not going to be able to really establish the run. I'm not saying they can't break off some runs here and there, but I, I suspect Alabama's defense is going to clamp down and force the young QB for South Carolina, Ryan, the true freshman, to throw the ball. They're going to say, all right, we're going to load the box and force you to beat us through the air. And if Ryan's able to do that, so be it. But it's going to be tough, I believe, for him. Uh, on the opposite side, you got Tua Tungavaloa. He's entering his second season as a starter for Alabama. He has the fourth best QBR right now at 93.5. He's throwing for 563 yards with seven touchdowns to zero interceptions. Uh, that's been his pretty much his, his hallmark throughout his career is he's really been great at limiting those mistakes. Obviously, late last season against really tough defenses, he did throw some picks, but you know, those were good defenses. Uh, but I will note, he is averaging, and this won't sound like much, but he is averaging one, yet, one yard less per completion compared to last year. I know that doesn't sound like much, but if it's third and nine, 
and you only get eight, you know, it's fourth down, you're punting. So after kind of giving the, that little tidbit of information, how do I see this going? How do we at the Salty SEC Podcast see this game playing out? Alabama's going to be wanting revenge. Uh, I think we've all heard about the game where Steven Garcia just went off and had an outstanding game. And actually, if you look back, I was surprised that all the notable names that were on that team for South Carolina, that was an excellent squad. So it's not surprising that they beat Alabama that year, uh, even though Alabama was ranked number one at the time. They just had some some really great uh, players on that team. However, I think Alabama wins this. And, and to be honest, I don't think it's going to be as close as they they think. Uh, I think the spread's at 25 and a half. I know South Carolina's going to have the fans into it, and that's a great environment. They An outstanding fan base that really represents the SEC and represents what fandom is all about within this conference. So it's going to play a factor. However, I think between Alabama's defense shutting down what South Carolina wants to do on the ground. And also, Alabama, their aerial attack. I mean, it's one thing if you've got to only worry about one wide receiver who's going to be in the NFL. Jerry Judy, is obviously, he's predicted to be a top five NFL draft pick. You've got Tua Tungvaloa throwing to Jerry Judy. But you've got three other future NFL draftees playing wide receiver between Ruggs, Devontae Smith, and then even the sophomore Jalen Waddle. It's it's just going to be too difficult for South Carolina's defenders to to keep those guys in check. You cover two, you still got to worry about the other two or the other one, depending on the formation on offense. So I'm predicting this one actually kind of gets away from South Carolina at some point. Um, and it just really will never feel close. I've got Alabama winning 48-17 to on the road to improve to 3-0. And that's going to wrap up Episode 4, covering Week 3 in the SEC. I'd like to thank you for taking the time to plug in and listen to this podcast. Like I said, we've, we had great uh, numbers from Episode 3's uh, podcast, some great analytics. Uh, love to see those numbers coming in as far as listenership. And so I really encourage you to continue to listen and share with your friends. And also, if you haven't already, check us out on Facebook. Just find us at the Salty SEC Podcast on Facebook. Uh, we're still working on trying to get a Twitter established. I want to task Kadarius, uh, my partner, with doing that. Um, he's kind of more into the Twitter thing than I am. Uh, maybe one day I'll jump on board. Who knows? But I will keep you posted. I also want to explore options as far as maybe get some some of you guys uh, who are listening to do phone like a phone in with me, and I can record uh, a little bit of a, an interview with fans. I'd love to try and get a fan from each fan base within the SEC uh, on for an, an episode, and just kind of give us your insight into your own team. Give us your personal take. I'd love to hear what you guys have to say and and just really speak to other SEC fans. Like I said, living here in Salt Lake City, Utah, there is a, a strong delegation of SEC fans out here. It's always um, encouraging to see the, the logos and emblems on the backs of cars 
and the t-shirts. Um, I saw a gentleman just at the mall the other day wearing a Texas A&M t-shirt and had to give him a shout out to the SEC for representing out here in Salt Lake City. But it would be good to hear from you guys, and so we are going to explore that possibility uh, in selecting some of you guys to be a part of the podcast. Always give us your feedback. I hope you're enjoying this podcast, and I look forward to speaking with you and hearing from you guys, and we will see you next week for Episode 5. This has been the Salty SEC Podcast.